Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we originally meant to release this episode in April. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including teases for Sonic's 30th anniversary and more details about the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection. And then on Thursday, we're going to be ranking all the final Bowser fights. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. I uh, cut my own hair this morning, like the top this is, of it. This is self-administered. This what is self-administered. Right yeah, my husband well done, is all, well done. My, thank you, thank you. My husband has helped me like cut the sides, um, but then I uh, have taken it upon myself to cut the top. This is only the second time since I guess like March that yeah. I've <laughs> that I've cut like the top of my hair, and the first time it went like really smoothly. It, it was absolutely beginner's luck. And yeah. so the second time I went went in with like too much confidence. Oh and no, Mark! I think I ended in an okay place, but like the journey there was a struggle. Um, I think you also uh, that you're just starting from like a a, a lower point, right? Because when the first time you cut your own hair or the the top of your hair, you're starting with like the. The original, uh, like, the background <laughs> was laid by a professional That's at some point. That's a really good point. And so yeah. now this is, this, is a, this, is, this is the multiplicity thing. This is the fourth clone in multiplicity. <laughs> That's what your hair is right now. It's a copy of a copy. That, I, I um, you know, it, it works okay because I'm, like, telecommuting and, you know, like, we're doing this through FaceTime. And so... It's okay for my hair to look just okay because in the low yeah. fidelity of web cameras, it looks passable. I do think that in real life, um, it would be uh, scary. It would it well, would not be like good. Sure, I mean it wouldn't be the only thing that's scary though. We're living under the eye of Sauron right now. The <laughs> sun is bright red and it peers through the, the horrible dark clouds. Um, it's it, it, it's a weird it's a weird time in Southern California. Totally. Um, but if you want to have your own weird time, you can with my copy of Sonic Forces. All you got to do, if you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. And give us a mailing address, and we send it to you, you play it, and have a great time. If you'd like to have a terrible time, you are allowed. Again, as far as this program is concerned, there are no cops. You can do whatever you want. Um, something else that we need you to email us about, uh, Mario Memories. We are going to be celebrating Mario's 35th anniversary next month. Um, because that's when we choose to celebrate it. Uh, <laughs> and, and honestly, we're sort of starting it right now right like this week we're we're doing a, a mario episode um we're doing a whole month of mario episodes concluding with an episode of uh, all of our favorite mario memories um i know i've got my favorite mario memories i assume mark has his um but we need to collect all of yours uh so uh you can write that up into an email and send it to us nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com gmail um, thank you so much to Christian, to Matthew, to Pete, and to Becca already for sending them to us. Um, you are everyone else who hasn't like sent one in. Uh, these people are showing you up. They are sending in good memories that I'm excited to read and excited to talk about. Um, so get in there. Uh, we all have experience with Mario, so let's uh, let's all do it together. Um, Mark, we got an email um, from uh, a listener from from Mark. Um, strong name you, i'm already into strong, it <laughs> yeah very good um the email reads uh plus button slash d-pad hi guys just a quick message to say that mark your guess of on the naming of the plus pad uh for the d-pad on the new super mario brothers game and watch was spot on it was yes. originally called the plus button not plus pad though 
so they called it plus pad in the in the direct um so that's what they're calling it here uh, i have attached a pdf of the original donkey kong game and watch instructions and you'll see that the d-pad was originally called a plus button also that new game and watch was sold out here in australia within a couple of hours after launching i managed to get one so patrick i hope you were able to grab one as well keep up the great show um Mark, at press time, uh, pre-orders have not gone live in the States. Um, I saw that they uh, were available in Europe. Um, and so uh, now, we're just, now we're just counting down the time. It's going to happen. Um, Best Buy is supposed to alert me when uh, they are ready. I don't like know someone there, but like, I just signed <laughs> up for the get notifications. Um, and I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that I can get one. Yeah. And also, Mark, thank you, one, so much for writing in. Um, two, for writing in to let me know that I was right. These are, of course, my favorite type of emails that we get from listeners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then m- maybe on, on the opposite side of that, or maybe in, in keeping with the theme, we got another email this weekend um, from Jason and Joseph, listeners of the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. They, uh, they, they put together, they recorded a, uh, a parody version of Nintendo Cartridge Society, of this show. Uh, taking on the roles of Patrick and Mark, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it, Mark. <laughs> uh, they roasted us. They nailed yeah, yeah. me dead to rights. Uh, Joseph, I think, was the one who was uh, like, Joseph was parodying me, and he nailed me. Um, so it was a lot of it was a lot of fun to listen to. I think we're gonna save it for like maybe like our five hundredth episode, which is actually coming up like surprisingly soon. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be like a relatively. Year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll get there. Um. But so yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, it is it's very flattering. Thank you guys. Like it's it's it and it's and it's very funny. It's obviously uh like tightly written because like there are a lot of our idiosyncrasies that are. Uh, well observed and then just <laughs> shamefully executed <laughs> um and so we'll share that with uh ev- with everyone someday maybe if, if we can get over ourselves uh yeah but like i, I don't know if i i don't know if i want to encourage that or <laughs> have other have other you know what i mean uh, well where i'm at with games right now is that yes well okay well that's no one's gonna know what that means except for those two guys everybody's gonna know because i say it a lot <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, again, thank you guys. Super weird feeling. Um, all right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. Dragon Quest Builders 2, the Jumbo Demo. I mentioned this last week, um, but at that time I had not gotten super far into it. Uh, there is a shocking amount of content in this demo. Is that actually what it's called? Is it called yes. colon jumbo demo? Wow. All right. Okay. Jumbo demo. I would, it's, that, that wasn't me editorializing. It would be weird for me to describe something as jumbo, I think. <laughs> um, but man, it is, uh, you know, la- last week I talked about how it was uh, like hitting all of the um, sort of Dragon Quest, uh, you know, fulfilling all of those urges. But it is also just such a good construction and building game which isn't something that i normally partake in you know obviously i have those sort of like hooks from animal crossing of building a village and like building a building out a town and like building relationships with characters um but this is that on like uh you know blown out to like a a a a, a crazy degree um and so even in um really only having access to the one town that I'm building out right now on, on one Island. Um, I just, it, it feels uh very limitless and inspiring at the same time. Like the game has a lot of, it doesn't commit. It does. It, it does command you to build things, but like you get to, you have uh, uh, a surprising amount of freedom in how you build those things. Uh, so I, I, I love it. I'm still not through the demo. Uh, I will at some point get all the way through it, but, um, and then, you know, get the whole thing. <laughs> did you play the demo for the first game? Have you played the, I did the not. first game? Okay, never mind then. Um, 
<laughs> I was gonna ask like how like uh, points of comparison, <laughs> but like I haven't played the second one and you haven't played the first one, so I don't think either of us have a point of reference like a bridge to cross. So the positive way to spin that is you played the first one, I'm playing the second one. <laughs> uh, and then I also spent some time this weekend playing uh, Kid Icarus on the NES Switch Online. Uh, the you know Kid Icarus is a game that I talk up the uh, 3D Classics version that's available on the 3DS because it makes it infinitely more playable. Um, the version that's on the NES Switch Online is also playable if you just allow yourself to spam sta- uh, mm, save states mm-hmm. and uh, a little re- rewind functionality. Um, I didn't finish it, but I am uh, in the third world right now. So I, I completed um, the first two, like, uh, you know, castle dungeon things at the end of the, the first two uh, worlds, and I'm in the third one. Um, and that game is good. like. I I know, and this this was my struggle for uh, the majority of my life. That 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 first level is so hard and so punishing and so unforgiving um, that I just get turned off to it right away. Um, but if you can like kind of muscle your way through that and you know save scum your way through that, uh, the the rewards for the latter seventy five percent of that game are so great. Yeah, I feel like that's what I need to do. This, it's, this is a game that I've never really played. The only time that I put any amount of time into it is with the uh, SP version that's on the NES online. Sure. Um, yeah. Where they basically put you, I think, at the last battle with like all of that like yeah, health. And with all the power-ups. The power-ups yeah. that you could possibly need. And that, that's pretty much all my experience with it. Because you're right, it has like the reputation of being so incredibly punishing. But now that... I can play it with the rewind feature of the yeah. NES online. Like, yeah, I, I should put some time into it. The game is also obtuse as heck. Cause like, um, you know, you, you're collecting hearts, which are currency, right? Like you have health that's, but hearts don't refill your health. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the thing that I always had like a hard time. Castlevania like, was I the same it. way where like, it yes. took me like as a kid, I didn't understand that. Um, and there is also, um, you know, early in the game, you're, uh, you hit a harp, which turns all the enemies into like a weird red block um, that you collect. Uh, and the red block looks like your health bar, but they don't fill up your health bar either. And those are hammers. You use the hammers in the dungeons huh. at the end of each world to crack open these uh, statues so that, uh, and free the centuries inside them. And then the sentries fight alongside you when you get to the boss at the end of that dungeon. So, like, it's all this stuff that the game doesn't tell you um, that, like, I, I feel like it needs to have a, a walkthrough guide or something well, to really just, like, sh- tell you what's going on. Yeah, and that, that is one. And I know that the Internet exists, so it's very easy. Like, it's possible to Google this stuff very easily. But one thing I do personally miss from the NES Switch Online and the SNES Switch Online is, like, there's no manuals as like part of it. Like there's no instructions to the game. There's no, like, this is what the controls do. And that like, you know, the virtual console, it had all that information. And to me, that feels like something that's like, should it be part of these collections? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the, the game will also like drop you into um, stores, right? So there are stores in the game where you buy items using hearts. um, And there, you'll just see three items and like you have the game does not do a good job <laughs> of communicating to you this thing with an f on it uh is like you know changes the way your arrows fire and like this thing that looks like a pencil shows you where you are on the map you know like uh, there and nothing looks like what you think it is going to be <laughs> you just need to like have a guide with you um to like get you started and then you can like kind of be off to the races on your own and you know the the dungeons are um, you have to navigate them circuitously enough that like no guide is really going to, you still have to explore. You still have to mm-hmm. double back. Um, so like it's, it's, it's still worth, it still feels like exploration even, even with one of those. So I haven't, I didn't have a chance to play very much this week, but I've been watching, uh, the final speed run from games done quick, which is, a a speed runner named etiquette, uh, E D D A K E T. And he did a speed run of Pokemon Shield, and then also at the end they meet the incentive for the Isle of Armor expansion oh, cool. as well. And uh, it's like a five and a half and five and a half hour speed run. And uh, I f- 
for have just found it to be very like soothing to you know like the last like 20 minutes 30 minutes before i go to sleep um just to like watch it and just kind of chill out it's a really cool run i never finished pokemon shield and so it's fun to see like the end parts of that game i also think that like pokemon sword and shield i think is really well art directed like i think it's a really good looking game yeah um and yeah like speed runs for me are just fun to watch in general and it has a good um like couch virtual couch in this instance of like commentators who are kind of explaining what's going on uh i still have i think like an hour and a half or something left in it but it's been fun to just do it in like bite-sized chunks um, does it make you want to go back to the game at all, or you feel like this is scratching the itch for you? This is definitely scratching the itch for me. Um, so I I did play one more Nintendo game this weekend, um, but I almost feel like expressing the the activity is too on brand for me. <laughs> I'm I'm I I really wish I could guess what it was based on just that alone. <laughs> on Saturday, Sarah and I. Had some beers. We put together a Labo. Nice. With the, we did the, the submarine part of the vehicle set. Um, and uh, while we were drinking and building Labo, we watched Chicago. <laughs> so I just, it just felt like, a, oh, yeah, if, uh, you know, this is if you wanted to, like, look up in the dictionary Patrick Ellers, uh, those like three activities would be listed there. We've never talked about it on mic. I don't like in a, uh, maybe we did it as part of like the Broadway episode, but listeners should know that Patrick and I talk and think about the cell block tango from Chicago, like constantly, <laughs> a, a huge amount of time. Um, I also, uh, uh, uh man, uh, the, these, uh, sequence where, uh, Velma is trying to, uh, convince like Roxy to like start a, a double act with her while well, they're both still in prison. Um, and she's like going through the movies and she's like, she'd go, I'd go. Uh, and then she goes, we'd go. <laughs> uh, that the, the we'd go really makes me laugh. Um, all right, Mark, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So one release I wanted to talk about is coming out on September 10th. It's a Vampire the Masquerade Shadows of New York. And Vampire the Masquerade is um, it's a role-playing game. Like, okay, basically the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's a series that I'm not at all familiar with. But yes. it's, uh, so D Dungeons and Dragons, right, is a tabletop role-playing game. Whoa, taking us way back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I... I have to explain my thought process as to why this yeah, game is interesting to me. Okay, so Dungeons & Dragons is right a tabletop RPG, and then it eventually got turned basically into like video games, like Icewind Dales, like all that sort of Neverwinter Nights, takes yeah. the very core mechanics of Dungeons & Dragons and turns it into a uh, like video game form. So yeah, arguably even the first Final Fantasy is uh, st strongly based on D&D. Um, so the reason why Vampire the Masquerade, like these games, uh, like are so interesting to me is because the only tabletop role-playing game that I've ever played is just is Dungeons and Dragons. And Vampire the Masquerade is another like well-known uh are like role-playing game from I think like the early 90s. And I'm curious, Patrick, like, do you have any experience with it? Do you have any experience with like any RPGs, any like role-playing? in-person, like, tabletop role-playing games that is not Dungeons & Dragons? Uh, yeah, so uh, yes to both, uh, to both questions. Uh, but um, first, just the, the general um, other RPGs that I, I played. Um, I messed around a lot with GURPS uh, growing up, which I, I don't actually like in retrospect. It's a, a clumsy system. Um, but I played the heck out of um, Palladium games, mm. um, which uh, comes in a, a bunch of different uh, formats. Um, all using the same basic, uh, you know, rule set um, and like character creation stuff. But like, you know, there is the like high fantasy world of just like the, you know, vanilla Palladium. Um, but then there was also Heroes Unlimited, which was like set in modern day with superheroes. Um, and there was an expansion to that, which uh, is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness, um, which has a bunch of um, art from uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. 
Um, and that's where a lot of Ninja Turtles um, characters like got their start. Bebop and Rocksteady were originally created for that role-playing game. Um, and when they had to come up with more characters for uh, toys and for the show, um, they just like rolled them up in that game. And we're like, yeah, okay, that sounds cool. That's Let's cool. draw them. Um, so uh, that, and then there was also a, a, a Robotech, the, uh, the, the anime um, that Palladium had that license as well. So I played uh, all of, I played all of those Palladium games. Um, but Vampire the Masquerade in my hometown of Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, was the, uh, like the choice of um, LARPers in, in the area. So uh, I had friends that would do live action role-playing in the world of, uh, of Vampire the Masquerade which is based on the Anne Rice like interview with the vampire books. That makes so much sense. Also uh at one point I stole a starter deck of the Vampire the Masquerade um like uh collectible card game from Rockheads the comic book store in Kenosha <laughs> um because I was a punk <laughs> and I didn't want to pay like $8 for a starter pack. Um uh, and I think I've probably stolen four things in my entire life, and that is one of them. And I yeah, think about it a lot. <laughs> what's the statute of limit statute of limitations on that? Or like, did you just confess to uh, a crime, or the police like the helicoptering to you right now? Here's the thing: the store closed down uh, at the end of 2019, so I I don't know who I don't know who <laughs> come after me. Uh, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention in new releases, it came out I think last week, but I'm not sure that we mentioned it. The Last Campfire, um, the new game from Hello Games, the company that also did No Man's Sky, launched launched on Switch in addition to um, like pretty much all the other platforms. But it was something that we saw in, oh man, what was it? Was it like one of the, um, was it the Direct Mini from back in March? Was it one of the yeah, Indie World like showcases? Showcase? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this game looked cool. I'm having a hard time remembering it right now. Yeah, um, it's it's like a like a puzzle platformer, and you're like a little thing, person, torchbearer dude. That uh, oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it it looks it looks neat. I haven't really like looked at reviews or anything of it, but that was like a. I think last week when we were doing new releases, we were like, "There's nothing. Let's just kind of move on." And that was one that I wanted to call out. Uh, all right. Well, so those are the new releases for this week. Let's close the section out. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance, 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Mark, I've laid out here that we are going to talk about um, Arkham Knights, Batman Arkham Knights, and uh, Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League, two topics that we sort of half brought up um, before they were actually revealed as what they are, uh, back when they were nin- possible Nintendo news items. Now it has been revealed that these are not coming to Switch. Um, so I think we still need to talk about them. And so we're going to do it in 433. So I, let's start with Arkham Knights, because for me, yeah. just based on the information we have, this is the one that I think is most more interesting. I, I agree. This is the one that I am very excited about. Um, and uh, so the, the the premise of this game, it's just like the uh, the previous Batman Arkham games, um, except there is no Batman in it. Batman is dead to begin with, like Jacob Marley. Um, and uh, you take on the role of either uh, Nightwing, Batgirl, Red Hood, or Robin. Uh, and you go on like team up co-op missions or play solo um, and just like run around Gotham and beat up bad guys. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, it is developed by WB Montreal, who mm-hmm. also did Arkham Origins, and but it it is like related to the like other Arkham games in spirit. But I think like it's it's interesting the needle they're trying to thread where it's like it is not in the same universe as the Arkham games, but seems to like kind of also be in the same universe as those Arkham games. Yeah, well, the Arkham games were also, like, sort of in the animated series universe, mm-hmm. but also kind of not, too. I mean, the Batman canon is so... 
the the other day, uh, my buddy Drew and I were trying to figure out the the Robins' relative ages to each other, and just be like, okay, like how old do you think Dick Grayson is? Like at, at right right now, how old do you think Dick Grayson is? I'm oh. asking you. Yeah, like right now. Oh man, I don't know. Like mid to late twenties. Yeah, I mean that we landed at twenty nine, and then how old do you think Jason Todd is? Oh like, man, how much I- younger? Yeah, is, is I, I couldn't even. Than, I couldn't even Dick. begin to. This feels. Yeah, this feels like an in an, like a Gordian knot. Like I don't yeah. know how. Yeah. <laughs> like none of this can actually like actually exist. Right. So we had to like work backwards and all that stuff. But I mean, the the the, the point is, uh, uh, the point there is like Batman uh, mythology. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Is, is messed up. Um, but it is something that I care deeply about, and so the the fact that you get to play <laughs> as all these characters, uh, just tickles the heck out of me. I also like the way it looks. Like I like mm-hmm. it's it's a little more colorful than or at least what we've seen is a little more colorful than the other Arkham games. Um, I'm wondering if like Damien either shows up in the story or like it will be a DLC character down the line. Like how that'll well, work. Well, so so y- your read is that that Robin is Tim. That's that's what I'm assuming, but I guess I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Well, so he's he's got that staff. And I guess the staff is kind of a a, a Tim thing and not a, a a Damien thing, right? That that's my assumption. Okay, I guess. But you're right; yeah. they haven't said. Yeah, yeah, they 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 have not specified. Um, yeah, I mean it. It seems super cool. How do you feel about the uh, the co op element of it? It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how the AI works if you're playing solo. But the idea yeah. of being able being able to play this game with like friends is so appealing. Like the thing. Being Batman yeah. together sounds so much fun. Or specifically not being Batman <laughs> together. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, the, the one thing that, because I've, I've wanted a co-op um, Arkham game for a long time, but the thing that I could never wrap my head around is how there's so much slow motion in, right. in that combat um, that like I think it'll probably be annoying when you know something you do triggers slow motion and like feels cool for you and i'm just like slowly running towards a guy you know <laughs> that that might not feel great um i think we should probably move on to suicide squad kill the justice league now um well, uh, first of all uh uh, uh Ar- arkham knights comes out um sometime 2021 um and then uh uh suicide squad kill the justice league isn't going to come out until 2022 um at the earliest uh what what did you think of this one um, so it's just a, tr- like a C it's a movie. I don't know if it was in engine or just, uh, sure. like yeah. a CG. Um, I don't really, I don't really have an opinion. I don't really like the suicide squad. They, it doesn't like that concept doesn't really do anything for me. Those characters don't really do anything for me. Um, but I am interested to see what Rocksteady ends up doing with it. Um, the, you know, I, I'm not gonna say that I'm having like a uh uh like I'm I'm very interested in uh this concept, but the sort of like DC um funny but also like dark and violent at the same time, uh like this aesthetic is sort of like kind of getting its hooks in me. Like um I've started watching uh Doom Patrol uh because it's on HBO Max now. Um and uh, uh you know, I've I've been watching the the Harley Quinn animated series. I've heard that's really funny. And it is. It it's it's really funny and like you know just embraces this like super over the top uh, violence uh, in like a fun way. Uh, and if this can do be more of that, I may be really into it. Ooh, we're just out of time. When I was going to ask you if that like that getting its hooks and you rolled over to the uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, but a topic for another time. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know if uh, Zack Snyder has. Uh, I, the humor is an important part of that for me. Is what I, is what I was driving to. Okay, we were we were accompanied today by an ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. Uh, Mark, let's get into the news. So last week you got news of the Mario 35th anniversary celebration that's going to be going on, um, basically starting now uh, through the end of March next year, and you know. I guess the the question, if it is even a question at this point, was like, were we supposed to get this 35th anniversary news earlier? And the answer is seemingly very apparently yes. Like, absolutely. It also just, like, sort of intuitively feels like yes, right? Like, yeah, of of course Nintendo wasn't 
wasn't going into this year planning to be quiet for six months. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we now we potentially have some evidence that that was that is the case. The Super Mario Maker Two page on the Mario 35th anniversary website um, had a post announcing the new Ninji speedrun um, and a chance for players to win a commemorative medal by competing in the challenge. The event's date in like the fine print at the bottom was listed from April 14th, 2020 to April 21st, 2020, which is so long ago at this point. And uh, we're not even to like the point in our timeline. I'm assuming divergent timelines here <laughs> um, uh, that uh, because the, in, in our world, that event is not happening until November. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's also interesting that like um, rumors of this 3D All-Stars, like this 3D collection began to surface like at the end of March, which, you know, which means like I wonder how close we were to an announcement before they kind of like stalled it. Yeah, Um, that that is interesting. So the whole that whole like website is down now. Um, but it's also interesting that like this specific challenge event was not listed alongside the ninji level in last week's direct. So it seems like that like yeah. challenge, like that part of it is not happening anymore. Or is something that they're going to announce later. Like I, I Oh I, I don't I, think we're right. totally done with um uh you know Mario 35th anniversary um, you know, like announcements and products. Like I, I think there there's still gonna be um little stuff like this. Uh, revealed throughout the course of this. That's a good point. So you're saying like, oh, the ninji stuff in Super Mario Maker 2 isn't happening until November, so maybe we'll hear about it like yeah. weeks from now. Yeah, that does make yeah. a lot of sense. Um, speaking of Super Mario Maker 2, this weekend Nintendo announced that the 20th, 20 millionth player-created course was uploaded to the game. So still just chugging along. <laughs> that is a lot of autoplay music levels. <laughs> Uh, of course, as part of the 35th anniversary celebration, we're getting Super Mario 3D All-Stars next week. I can't believe it's next Woo! week. Woo! Very excited for this. Uh, in the announcement, Nintendo didn't really talk about like specific enhancements to the game other than they mentioned Sunshine being able to be played in widescreen. Um, but Game Explain, the YouTube channel, compared the original games to footage of uh, the games running in 3D All-Stars. And it's clear that Nintendo has done some work to the games. Um, they've updated the textures in Mario 64. And it, uh, the speculation is that they are using like the original archived like source files. So the game yeah. retains its look. It's just like sharper um, running in HD. And then it's a, they've also remastered the cutscenes in Sunshine and Galaxy. So these aren't straight ports, and it'll be interesting to see, like, once we get the full games released, like, what other work has potentially been done. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see the sort of, like, side-by-side comparisons um, to just see what, like, a higher resolution for those games looks like. Um, Like, because, you know, in in your memory, it's not as fuzzy as it almost certainly is. Um, So just seeing all that stuff in kind of sharper relief um is is very interesting there there was something um uh i saw that the super mario sunshine will not you can't play it with uh gamecube controllers even though uh game you know there's the gamecube controller adapter for use with smash oh interesting yeah that's interesting um i'm really excited for this i'm excited for you to be able to play sunshine it's me too i mean i haven't played it for like 15 years but my memory of it yeah, I I I remember really enjoying that game, and also it's really pretty. Like th- the water effects in that game are like amazing, <laughs> even now. Um, so I'm I'm excited to like play all of these again. Do you? Before we move on to the next next topic, do you have a plan when that game comes out? Like, do you know what you're going to tackle in, in what order? Um, I have really been struggling with this because I want to play all three for different reasons. I think yes. I'm going to do release order. That is my Me plan. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'm That's what I'm going to do. start with 64. Uh, I also think it's been the longest since I've played 64. So is that true? I think that is true. Uh, the last time I played a version of that game was the th- uh, DS version. Ugh, um, barely counts. 
The controls are the controls are rough. The they're they're are an rough. abomination. They're real bad. <laughs> um, so Game Explain also compared the original version of Mario 3D World, which is coming in February, um, and the remaster. And they estimate that the Switch version of the game is running faster. In fact, they think that it might be running up to 30% faster, which seems like a lot. Yeah, so it it, it is a lot. Uh, and what that comes down to is mostly um, seeing the characters run faster, um, which, uh, you know, is a thing about the original um, Super Mario 3D World is that uh, everyone does feel a little bit sluggish, like Toad really being the only exception. Um, and it seems like they just cranked up the speed on this one by you know, like you say, 20 or 30%, um, which I think is just good for it. Like, it's, uh, you know, not that I'm in favor of a game getting, uh, uh, you know, shortened, um, but yeah, I, th- I think faster will actually suit the game. Game Explain also mentioned a Mario Odyssey-esque dive being added to the game. I did, I, okay, I looked for that, uh, and I did not see... I did not see this uh, Mario Odyssey-esque dive. There's a moment, like, when uh, the Game Explained guy is is showing it, or is, when he says it, they're showing, like, uh, a cat Mario doing, doing like, the cat dive. Um, but that's in the original game and is also only available with the cat suit. So I don't, I, I, I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's real. Yeah, that's but interesting. It might be. And they also mention a modified camera. Yeah, which is a uh, a little a little bit more evident. Uh, the camera seems a little bit tighter, a little bit more dynamic, um, but you know, uh, kind of a a small thing. Oh, speaking of um, the Super Mario 3D World. So when we were talking about like, was this 3D 30? Sorry, was the 35th anniversary celebration supposed to be announced like in March or April? Um, the rumors kind of online are saying that Nintendo's lineup for the year was originally something like Pikmin 3 was supposed to come out like in like a spring game. So like maybe in March. Sure. And then uh, the 3D All-Stars remaster, maybe around the same time it's coming out now, but that uh, Super Mario 3D World was supposed to come out this year as well, not Mm. next year. And so, you know, it seems like when they delayed, everything got pushed back. So, like, last week I was really hyped, you know, that there's going to be, like, a big holiday game coming. Maybe that's not the case. Maybe uh, I'm still, like, I'm still allowing myself to be hyped because that's, uh, you know, I can only... I did one week really well of keeping my expectations dampened, but now it's, like, the fire's Throw it out the window, man. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Some with... I think, like, kind of with the Mario... 35th anniversary announcement there were some like changes to the switch eShop that are small but nice um one like the eShop right now has a mario 35th anniversary theme it's red yeah and one of the uh changes is that there's now like 64-bit mario running as the loading indicator instead of just like a spinner um it's really cute. i really i really like that and it feels so Nintendo normally when they want to do like a a Mario for a loading thing it's it's 8-bit Mario right yeah, like absolutely they, they trot out that original Super Mario Brothers Mario all the time and it's awesome to see the Mario 64 Mario uh just kind of jogging alongside while the page loads yeah it's fun to me that like uh it is Mario's 35th anniversary but kind of like the I guess there is a lot of stuff that's reflecting on like the the original game, like the yeah. Game and Watch and uh this Super Mario 35. But I like that like kind of the marquee release is 3D Mario. It's fun to get Mario see like the 64-bit Mario kind of get his due because you don't yeah. see that like character front and center, that version of Mario front and center that often. It's also so funny to think of him as like that version of that character because he's not the same Mario that we have right now, right? Right. Like, he his proportions are different. Obviously, he's like way blockier. Um, but like, yeah, there there's something about that specific Mario that I'm like, he only exists in that game, and I I love him. I love <laughs> I like him. I want to see him more. Uh, some other changes in the eShop is you can now cancel digital pre-orders. It's like the the way pre-orders work is different now and it just makes way more sense for everybody so basically previously um pre-orders were really like pre-loads like the only time you could pre-order a game on the eShop 
was when it was available for you to like start downloading it onto your system. And now they it's not just preloading, now it's like pre-ordering. So you can pre-order a game. Oh, sorry. Previously also when you like bought it, when you started downloading it, like you bought it, you paid you, for it you then. You were charged. Yeah. So now you can pre-order a game like uh Super Mario 3D World is up for pre-order right now. But you don't you can pre-order it, but you don't get charged for the game until at most one week out from release. So Nintendo says that they're gonna they'll charge people like one week out from release. And then that's also when the game will preload. Which sort of just brings them in line with like other uh digital stores and uh you know pre-order policies. But good for them to, you know, catch up. Uh there's also now an indicator like on the uh, game tiles that tells you how long a game sale will last. So you can, you'll see the sale price and it says something like six days remaining or 14 hours remaining. Um, before you could always like find that information, but it wasn't front and yeah, center. You got to dig. It's yeah. such like a nice change. Yeah. To just be like, Oh, Oh, oh shoot. I should buy that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so smart. Uh, obviously it, it, it's a good like a motivator for like, Hey, this sale price is going away tomorrow. Um, yeah, of course that's going to make me buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're all hyped on celebrating Mario's 35th anniversary. But Sega is ge- uh, gearing up to celebrate Sonic the Hedgehog's 30th anniversary in 2021. <laughs> the website Tales Channel uh, spotted a Sonic ad in the licensing sourcebook Europe that teased, quote, 30th anniversary 2021, a year of celebration, new games, digital content, events, major announcements, and a tailored licensing program. Yeah, so this isn't just uh, like an announcement from like, you know, Sega, the software developer. It is, you know, a sort of statement of purpose from Sega, the Sonic the Hedgehog license holder. Um, so, you know, uh, major announcements could be uh, a new movie or like a comic book series or a TV show or something. Um, but, you know, obviously Sonic fans are abuzz with the idea that we are going to get um, some sort of new big Sonic thing. Um, was it just uh, like the this last year that there was, or this year, um, that there was going to be a Sonic panel at South by Southwest? And of course, I got canceled with everything else um, where they were like kind of promising something big. Um, so I, I think that Sega is probably in the same boat as Nintendo was where they're like, okay, well, we're just going to hold these announcements until, uh, it, it makes, uh, you know, more sense and are getting it lined up with, uh, an anniversary. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been a little bit since we've seen the Sonic game. Yeah. The last like release was Sonic forces in November, 2017. And yeah, I, th- uh, the games are going to be released next year. It'll be interesting to see if we get like some sort of announcement before that. Right. Uh, do you think it is possible that so- that Sega could do a Sonic 3D All-Stars? Ooh, uh, do people... Yes, I, t- uh, I was going to say, do people like those games enough? But the answer is, yeah, of course, yes, they absolutely <laughs> 100% could. I personally am hopeful for like a Sonic Mania 2, but it doesn't... But also a little like... Uh, hesitant because I don't think the team or like that put together the first right. game are like together anymore, and so it would probably be put together by a different team, which doesn't mean it wouldn't be bad. But that first Sonic Mania game was so much fun. It's so good. I wonder if they could do a Sonic 3D Mania. Like, I wonder if that makes sense that they could do a game like Sonic Mania, but instead of using you know Sonic 2 as the base using like sonic uh oh yeah like adventures or something yeah 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 that's a really interesting idea and then just like taking the pieces that people liked from the 3d games and kind of making one like mega game yeah yeah try that someone (laughs) (laughs) sega i guess um more leaks coming out of that like nintendo that giga leak that has been feeding the news cycle for months now at this point. Um, so the documents that have, were released maybe yesterday uh, showed that Nintendo at one time considered a more traditional follow-up to the GameCube that would have directly competed with the HD specs of the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Okay. 
Um, so, would I don't know. This feels like the uh, the kind of thing that I'm, I'm sure there's someone that's like, oh, I wish they had done that. Um, but I am, you know, I that that is not me. At the time, like before the Wii was announced, I was falling out of video games. You know, like I, I was still playing like the odd game on uh, GameCube or my PlayStation Two, but like there was something about like it just wasn't games didn't feel to me like they were trying to be fun or that they were being anything but like you know running down dark hallways and shooting people with guns um and uh Nintendo and the Wii for me uh were such a release from that um and like it would have bummed me out if uh you know that generation of Nintendo had just been like everyone else yeah it's also interesting that like the presentation that leaked was um it's like a PowerPoint presentation and it's seemingly from ATI, which is like the graphics chip um, uh, creator that Nintendo paired with on, and they might have paired with them before on like the GameCube and stuff, but they ended up going with them on the Wii. And now they're part of AMD. But what I, f- the part that's not clear to me is like, who put this proposal together? Like, was it a proposal that yeah, from like ATI on being like, this is like a route we could, we've talked about pursuing um, or like we've talked together about pursuing. Um, but yeah, obviously they didn't go down this route and you know, I probably, I agree with you that it was for the better. Um, the other thing that leaked out of this is that there was also a proposal for a, like a portable GameCube with a dock that connected to your TV. And then like the dock had GameCube controller ports so you could plop it in there and then plug your controllers in sounds you know like reminiscent of what we got with the wii u and eventually with the switch it's just interesting to see that like some version of that idea has been percolating percolating ever since the gamecube and also maybe that's why the gamecube had a handle yeah i was gonna say i don't mean to embarrass you mark but the original gamecube was portable (laughs) famously that's um you know when uh the at the at the switch reveal when they're talking about the switch is taking something from like every console and they're like and here's like the gamecube had a handle on it for portability Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough sell especially when the gamecube was the first nintendo controller to have dual analog sticks first and only right i mean no the oh uh, no no I mean, sorry i would uh, dual analog sticks you're right i was thinking the analog yeah. triggers oh yes yes first and only <laughs> actually wait a minute the uh the nunchuck uh, there's the Z button on there, and but the C button isn't that uh analog? Can't isn't that like pressure sensitive? I don't remember. Somebody tell us. I don't think so. But I. I mean, I've got one in in my linen closet over here, but I'm not gonna check. <laughs> maybe afterwards. Maybe afterwards. Maybe after. Maybe after. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Pikmin Three Deluxe was announced that it, for Switch coming this October. Uh, and at that time of the announcement, the original Pikmin 3 release was quietly removed from the Wii U eShop. Uh, but it's back now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still at the Nintendo Select's price. So if you w- if you have a Wii U and you don't want to pay 60 bucks for the Pikmin 3 Deluxe on Switch, you can now get it again on the Wii U eShop for 20 bucks. And of course, that won't have any of the like downloadable content that you have to pay extra four that will of course be included in the switch release so interestingly i think the only game that's left that has had a port from wii u to switch that is not currently available on the wii u eShop is donkey kong country tropical freeze but all the other yeah. ones like captain toad treasure tracker new super mario brothers u super mario 3d world like are all still available um well i mean that I wonder if that's simply a pricing thing because uh, Tropical Freeze, for whatever reason, is fifty bucks mm. on uh, on on the Wii U. Um, so I wonder if they want to just if they saw like those competing price points in the marketplace being like too big of a a spread. But like some of these other um, Wii U games must be Nintendo Selects at either the forty or twenty dollar price point. Um, so it's interesting that they're. I don't know. The whole thing seems dumb. Like no one has a Wii U. Like let people who have the Wii U, uh, you know, buy buy the thing for ten dollars cheaper. 
and then realize that they want to play it on the go and then buy it on Switch. Like, come on. It's also interesting to me. I mean, like you said, there is seemingly no rhyme or reason that we can discern. But it's interesting to me that we saw when they announced Pikmin 3 Deluxe that Pikmin 3 was quietly delisted. Yeah. But that the same thing hasn't happened for Super Mario 3D World. Yeah. Well, and that this Pikmin 3 thing was undone. That you know, right. someone someone was like, oh, maybe this is maybe this isn't a good look, and like, what do we actually get out of it? Um, is is maybe the the rationale? And so I wonder if they had originally were like, yep, and then we'll take uh Super Mario 3D World down as well, and then they're like, oh, you know, if we're gonna undo this, let's just leave that the way it is. Um, yeah, and and also like it it just if. The problem with playing Super Mario 3D World uh, and trying to get like a bunch of people to play it together on Switch is that like the first player is going to have that Wii U gamepad and maybe a second player has um, a pro controller, um, but the second and third player they're going to be using like a Wii remote or like Wii remote nunchuck. Like it's not going to be an ideal uh, gameplay situation. Um, so I think if people are trying to like get around the system that way and like play the Wii U version. They're just going to get frustrated and be like, you know what? We've got four controllers we can play uh, our Switch with. So, like, let's just, I don't know. It, 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 none, of, none, of it, none of it makes sense that the Wii U sales would take away uh, from the Switch. Yeah, well, and that's none what makes it. me think, like, maybe that's not actually the reason why uh, yeah. Pikmin 3 Deluxe or Pikmin 3 was delisted from the Wii U eShop. Like, maybe it's, it was another reason uh, entirely because it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Uh, the news of Kingdom Hearts Me Melody of Memory coming to Switch may have gotten your hopes up for other Kingdom Hearts games coming to the platform. I think we might have talked about that as well. Oh, yeah. But uh, please allow this interview with franchise director Tatsuya Nomura uh, to dash those hopes. Nomura told Nintendo enthusiasts that Square Enix did consider porting the existing games to Switch, but that they found that it was, quote, technologically difficult. Ooh. <laughs> That now, come on. The first Kingdom Hearts is on PlayStation Two, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe, like, maybe that is the problem. Maybe, like, the engine that they were trying to mm. port, right? Like that the engine there was no good engine with which to port it. Um, yeah. Because, like, Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. And Thank to you. note, we do have to like um, denote that it is for the Nintendo Switch now because the Definitive Edition has been announced for other platforms. So we just yes. have to be clear about which one we're talking about. Like that famously, I think, had a difficult um, uh, production cycle because the version of Unreal Engine that they were using previously was not like very performant on Switch. And so they had to wait for like a Unreal Engine update before they could actually do like the majority of the porting work and getting it to run smoothly. It is interesting that Square Enix, well, obviously, uh, you know, developing um, ex exclusive games and, you know, like other sort of like legacy content um, that's showing up on, on Switch, that they're not really like their new cutting edge stuff um, is just like gleefully leaving the, the Nintendo platform behind. Right. Like, you know, Avengers came out this weekend and like I, there wasn't even a split second where anyone thought it could possibly run on Switch. Uh, even Final Fantasy 15. Um, like the pocket edition is on Switch, but like it's not it, the the real game isn't coming. Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, you know, sa same story there. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like actually a lot of Japanese studios are doing that. Like we've kind of seen Capcom out of the same strategy, right? Yeah, like, true. Capcom has brought a lot of uh games from other generations to the Switch, but they haven't, other than like dabbling with the streaming version of Resident Evil Seven in Japan. They yeah. haven't, like, really supported the Switch, which I think, like, has makes sense because as these, like, Japanese studios have left, a lot of those studios were supporting Nintendo with, like, the 3DS, like, but yeah. they are not, like, big enough or equipped or are just not interested in trying to also make, like, versions of their games for Nintendo platforms when the worldwide market for their games on other platforms are so big. You know, I was thinking, uh, you bringing up the, the uh, DS and 3DS right now uh, reminds me of something that I was thinking about this week, that, like, you know, we, we uh, talk a lot about how um, sort of combining the 
um, handheld and console market for Nintendo, um, you know, sort of logically means that we would see more games on Switch than we saw on like either two separate platforms, like individually. But like, you know, the the gulf between developing a game that is visually acceptable on the 3DS and visually acceptable on the Switch is huge, right? Like, it's it's way bigger than like the difference between standard definition and high definition. Like, you know, we're just talking like leagues and leagues uh, different uh, and requiring more detail. Um, and I wonder if um, we haven't really seen the fruits of that, uh, you know, combination yet, um, just because it's taking a lot of teams uh, time to like spin up to that capacity. Um yeah, it just it, it it feels to me like we're we're just not quite there yet, and the, so like the same sort of idea applies to uh, uh, Square and um, Capcom that they had a place for these sort of not low effort games, but like cheaper to produce games, um, because uh, you know now if they try to make a game like that, it also has to look really good. I know. I do think that you're. Yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right because when the Switch was first coming out. I definitely believed that it was like, yeah, there's like a place for those mobile games, or not mobile, but like the handheld games to continue to exist, basically in the fidelity that they currently, you know, were existing on the 3DS, but just bring them to Switch. Yeah, and but it's just I, not true, though. They have, yeah, to, they have to look nicer. Right, exactly. I mean, I feel like we see that with, um, even with like Link's Awakening, right? Like, it sure. was a game that uh, like looked really cute, looked really fun, but like people complained about the frame rate and like all that kind of stuff where it's just like the the standard i think is higher on a home console that those efforts like taking samus returns and putting it onto switch as is just wouldn't fly. wouldn't be enough yeah yeah well because we know what the console can do like you can't show us breath of the wild and then put a, a 3ds game on there like it just but doesn't I work s- but could you if you i know i want it appropriately to, i know I, I, know. I don't know i don't know but yeah if you price it well the thing is i i mean i really don't know if uh if we had like an up version of um you know the majora's mask uh 3ds remake um on switch would that pass muster would that look good enough would could you even stand to look at it for a second if it were up on your TV? On your TV! <laughs> I, f- I feel where we may be uh, actually seeing if this is true or not is with Bravely Default 2. It's been a long time since we've seen that game. It might have changed. It might have looked a lot better. The last time we saw it, that it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, no, me neither. Uh, going back to this Kingdom Hearts piece, Nomura oh, yeah. did did add that he's a big fan of the Switch and he would like to develop something for it, uh, but he's a busy guy. <laughs> he didn't say that part. That's me editorializing. That's Mark. That's me saying I don't expect anything. No, um, neither do I. Speaking of Square Enix, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition uh, launched at the end of last month and has kind of had a rocky reception. It had a lot of technical difficulties. Um, I think like in New Zealand and Australia, like the servers just weren't working at all for a while. But it has continued to sell well. Like right now when I was checking this morning, it's the best-selling game in the eShop in North America currently. Um, yeah, wild. But uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition director uh, Araki Ryoma posted a message on the game's support page apologizing for some of the online issues that were prevalent during the first weeks the game was available. He also mapped out a series of fixes his team was going to undertake, really specifically calling out individual issues on like specific platforms. So really like kind of like a roadmap of the issues that they are looking to tackle. Um, and also mentioned that they're looking at feedback in general. Um, but is that, I mean, getting the game to function on a core level is like, yeah, great. That is, uh, makes sense for it to do that, (laughs) for it to be like the first steps. But a lot of the complaints seem to be like the whole structure of the online was not what I feel like the promise of this game when it was first announced is that Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles on GameCube is a multiplayer game, but it's famously difficult to pull off because all of your friends have to have their own Game Boy Advances, then you have to have the Game Boy Link cables that could plug into your GameCube. Um, and so, wow, it was like, great, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered. None of those problems exist anymore. There are just, but what we found out is that there are just new problems. New problems. Yeah. 
And a lot of those new problems seem to be at like the design level, right? Where um, you, you're taking on individual like dungeons uh, with a, a, a team that you party up with and then it disperses you again when you like go back to the town or whatever. I'm not totally sure how the game is structured, but uh, uh, every description I read about it um, made it sound like you had to like disband and reparty like over and over again and that there was no easy way to find your friends to play with you and 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 all that stuff so it it fixes are obviously nice and like you know it's good that they're getting the game to to work um but it seems like there's still it's it seems like fun more fundamentally broken is it weird that uh square enix launches this and avengers within like weeks of each other like two new huge multiplayer games that like require so much extra uh like server capacity Oh yeah, that's interesting. I I wonder what the demand for Crystal Chronicles Remastered actually is. It was too much at the, <laughs> at the time that it launched. That's true. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, and final. Well, I mean, I guess it just goes back to what you're always saying, which is that the cast of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles is truly the Avengers of the Final Fantasy universe. I am always saying this. <laughs> And finally, um, another hardware patent is making the rounds. This one for a standalone Joy-Con. It was originally filed in May 2018 and officially registered uh, in April of this year. It's uh, exactly what's on the tin. It is like a standalone Joy-Con. Yeah. Uh, so the the image that you know they um, submitted as part of the uh, patent filing um, looks like just sort of a rounded off left Joy-Con. Um, like it's got the proportions of of the left Joy-Con, but instead of being like flat on one side, it just like that roundness carries all the way through. Um, a couple interesting things to note: um, that uh, there's no uh, minus button uh, depicted on the drawing. There's also no um, capture button. Those are the two buttons, like uh, two sort of like special buttons that would appear on that remote. Um, there are also uh, no uh, S S L and S R buttons, like the little ones that would fit inside um, the uh, kind of groove that snaps into the um, switch. And then also there's no groove. Um, so, I mean, like the the idea of a uh, freestanding standalone uh, Joy-Con is interesting, especially with uh, things like the Switch Lite out there. Um, but I don't know, Mark, what, what do you think about this? Oh, that is interesting. I hadn't considered the Switch Lite. I, I wonder if it's just kind of like a cover your butt type of thing where they're like, yeah, sure. hey, we have a patent for like the Joy-Con as it exists, but let's like patent, you know, like the version that doesn't have rails. So that way somebody can't just like rip off that look and design. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, and you know, like, like many uh, patent filings, uh, it doesn't mean that this is a product that we're actually going to see. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, you know, we're going to need uh, Joy-Con 2.0 at some point here um, with better reliability and, and whatnot, especially if we're going to get like a, uh, you know, Switch 2.0 uh, next year, you know, whenever. Um, I, I was just looking at Switches today uh, and like, you know, their availability is just absolutely like it, it's bad. You can't buy a Switch right now. Um and like I, I remember thinking that part of like the news that we were going to hear with this Mario thing was also going to tie back to like, and we have like a you know a special edition like Mario bundle, mm -hmm. and you can buy Switch again, but like you you, you just can't. <laughs> yeah, it. Oh, oh, actually, that reminded me. Um, I saw somewhere somebody posted on Twitter or something that um Super Mario 3D All Stars is already the second highest selling like game of 2020 on Amazon. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh not uh they didn't lose out on any sales because it was still available to buy on the Wii U. So <laughs> there you no, go. no 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 not 3D World, 3D All Stars. Oh, 3D All Stars. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it if you did. 
You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying, I think Dick is 29. I think uh, Jason is 27. I think Tim is uh, early college, like 18, 19. Steph is probably also about the same age. Um, uh, Cassie's a little bit older, probably like 22. Uh, And then Damien, of course, is 12. And thanks for listening. I'm Kate Thompson. And I'm Mark David Christensen. And together we host, ah, crap, a Hellboy podcast. The show dedicated to the half-demon hero brought forth by writer-artist Mike Mignola and published by Dark Horse Comics. Each week we discuss everything Hellboy. Plus his expanded universe with the BPRD, Abe Sapien, Lobster Johnson, and many more. That's ah, crap, a Hellboy podcast on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.